Like this song tears te- still even after like the thousands. Listen, 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 listen. I listen to this song like a, like Mike Tyson over here listening to the song. <laughs> Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! This is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast where every week we get into a different band, a different album, and we break it down. We do all the research we can. We find out all the secrets about the record, and then we let everybody in on those secrets. Uh, my name is Tyler, and way out there, hundreds of miles away, is Jeff. Uh, while you're listening, go to Apple Podcasts, go to Spotify, give us five stars. That would be awesome. Uh, you know, Social media is at Asinine Radio. We have a phone number to call if you want to leave us a Send us a text. Leave us a voicemail. Uh, the phone number is 503-893-5307. We also have a Discord server if you want to join that. Hang out with us. Other people who listen to the pod, hit us up. We'll send you the link and go from there. Now, Jeff, mm-hmm. what are uh, what are we doing today? What are we doing today? Uh, we're doing the format in their album Interventions and Lullabies. Format formed in Peoria, Arizona in February 2000 by Sam Means on guitar and bass and Nate Roos on vocals. They currently have, or they put out two full-length records, six EPs and three compilations. But that we're doing today is Interventions and Lullabies. It's their first record and it was released October 21st, 2003. It features Sam Means on guitar and bass, Nate Roos on vocals, and Josh Freeze on drums. 
now Jeff what is your uh, what's your origin story with the format go I think um, honestly I think I think I've been I think I've been a fan damn near like the beginning this was this was a band that when the EP dropped like Limbeck had already been an established band they've been doing things for a while and so that scene had already developed within the camp life that I was growing up in. And so they, when I say they, like my counselors, the the elders of the camp, the elder squirrels of the camp, they already knew who the format was. And so much of my early upbringing, they brought the format to, uh, to camp. And then, I don't know, that's, that's, that's where I heard, that's why I heard them. Like I, I've, so maybe pre-high school, like right before high school, middle school, like late, late middle yeah. school. Yeah. And then, um, dude, loved this band for so many years and really fell off when, when their, their second and last album came out. Cause dumb kind of sucks. It's not, uh, man, I have. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it doesn't suck. It's just, it's cookie cutter. Yeah, it's not. It's fucking cookie cutter. It is stereotypical indie pop, and there's nothing complex about it. It is, it's, um, I don't know, it's boring. But it got really good reviews. Critics fucking loved it. They said it was amazing. And Interventions and Lullabies kind of got shit on a lot. Yeah, yeah. Did not give good reviews. And I think that's several factors. One is just, it's a little unconventional and as far as like the indie pop goes. And two is just there was zero marketing. The band had no support from their label as far as like money and, and promotion. Then that's what I was surprised to hear about. I, I didn't realize how not successful they were. And it wasn't until years after they had broken up that they started to get any real notoriety, especially after, you know, Nate Roos went, started fun. It, honestly, it wasn't until until Fun's second album that they even got notoriety because that's, that's when they true, won yeah. Yeah. you know, a Grammy for Best New Act for mm-hmm. Some Nights in 2012, you know, four years after Fun had already dropped their first album. They yeah, won Best New sense. Act, so that's, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't, it wasn't until then that they, that they really got, um, I don't know, notoriety and, and, and fame, fame and fortune and everything that goes with it. And then, and then when the format got back together, what, two years ago? And they played those shows at the Mayan, which is like a venue. It's not huge, but it's like 10 times or yeah, probably 10 times the size of like Chain Reaction, which they would only ever play at. Maybe Glass House, you know, very, very small places. Or I even saw a video of them back in the day when they were playing at like, was it like, I think it was UC Irvine or something like that in the quad in the middle of the day. There was like maybe eight people there. Hmm. And it was just like, oh, that's depressing. But then they had three guitar players on stage. Hmm, okay. That, well, that was another thing. Like, there's a lot of layering. There's a lot of layering. I know, but come on, man. You're, you're, not, you're not a big su- successful band. Like, at least have Nate Roos play the guitar or something. Like, you don't need three guitar players on stage. Yeah. That was annoying. I, watching those old videos, that was annoying. <laughs> it was stupid. Yeah. But anyway. It's fine. Anyway. So that's your origin story with them through camp and Limbeck and stuff like that. Uh, my my thing is I'd never heard of them until I met Tammy in 2006. 
and she was a big fan of at least their first record. I don't think she she doesn't really like the second one at all, but she loves this record as well as the Snails EP. So when I met her, we listened to the format a lot, and she'd seen them at Chain Reaction a couple times, and so you guys were probably at the same show before we even knew her. And uh, yeah, that's that's my introduction to it. And I've so I have a lot of nostalgia with the band from that time period when I met Tammy. And that's that, I mean I I think they're a really good band, and I think or this record's a really good record at least. Uh, but there's a ton of nostalgia too. It's so is, weird that damn thing. I don't think we ever went to a Limbeck show together in high school, did we? Never. I've never. Oh well, no, we did. We did. I did go once. I did go once to see them at, at Chain, but I don't think the format played. If they did, I sure as hell don't remember. Man, it's just like you you definitely would have remembered. Because at that point, like they were already established in the indie realm and then people were clamoring to see them. And every time I saw the format, Limbeck was opening. And I've seen the format without Limbeck too. But yeah, every time I saw the format with Limbeck, Limbeck was always opening. Because the format were just they were massively popular in the, the underground indie scene. Yeah. And yeah. like yeah, you know, there's not that many people in the quad, but they were selling out chain. Like in high school, they were selling out chain reaction. Like those tickets were gone by the by the by the time the show was was starting, those tickets were sold out. Yeah, which and is cool for for such a small band, you know. For such a band for a band that just for I don't know, by all accounts are are cookie cutter, are are basic, <laughs> their name, the the first single, like everything about them is just a a processed product of of the genre mm-hmm. yeah and yeah. and they are very kind of weird to get into because most of his lyrics don't rhyme he just kind of speaks he just kind of talks mm-hmm. a lot of their their instrumentation i mean that josh freeze plays on this and i didn't know that until this week <laughs> and even even after like we talked about it like you can't really tell because the drums aren't great yeah the guitars aren't great the bass playing's not great but that's that's the point because this band relies almost exclusively on melody on vocal melody yeah that's all it is i, I even think his vocals are they're i mean the i mean his lyrics are they're fine i don't think there's anything they're they're good they're i think not they're like spectacular I, I think they're good to great at times but nothing spectacular but i i, I think having a band where Dude, like everything about this band is just plain old people. Even like the way they look, the way they dress, the way they act, everything about this band is just like fucking plain old people. It's just the way he can sing. And even like, I don't know, the the wait, 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 the don't, don't. Like we're not even, like nothing about that part even rhymes. But we're, yeah. we're hanging on the edge of our seats waiting to scream don't, don't. Because that's the hook. That part, those two, that word said twice in a row is why we listen to that song. It's just a scream, don't, don't. That's they it. have a good way of, of breaking up their songs as well, like speeding up, slowing down, transitioning. They're usually done by like a start and stop rather than like a progressive build. You know, there's that quick like just where there's silence for that split second and then it goes into the next part. And maybe that's, I, I, I kind of like it. They do it well, let's just say that. It doesn't, it's not as jarring as it would be to just go from like, soft to loud or whatever you know what i mean yes they're they do a good job of it so yeah but yeah that's uh that's my origin um i guess first impressions i guess we kind of already know or we kind of talked about our first impressions of it i mean i think this record's 
I think this record's really good. There, there's one song that's you know teetering on the edge of a stinker, Oof. but um, but otherwise, yeah, the, the songs the songs are really good. I I will say that the first half is is much better than the second half, like much much better. But yeah, second half's fine. But coming, you're on such a high from before. It's kind of a kind of a letdown a little bit. Okay, interesting. But what do you, what do you think? I think the first. I think the first seven songs are untouchable. Untouchable. Hmm. All right. Sore, th- sore Thumb is is probably my least favorite. But Why is that? It's only my 10B. So, I, I mean, I, I think <laughs> my 12B, my 12B is, is a safe situation, the last song. Mm-hmm. But I don't hate the song. I think it's just, it's a closer song. And that's, that's yeah. out of sequence. It would not work. It just would not work. Especially coming off of a pre-closer song, Career Day, which is a, a, essentially a closer in itself, a safe situation, it's fine. It's super short. It's good. It does its job. It gets out of there quick enough, so it's not a stinker. But a sore thumb is probably like your top three B because it's like the most aggressive song on the no, album here, and it's fucking fast, and it's a punker song here. It's not. It's, not it's probably right. like I, your fucking beyond banger, I think. So you, you clearly have 12 Bs, right? Yeah, this album's perfect. That's come okay. on, that's stupid. So, uh, okay, <laughs> slow it down there. Um, I have uh, I have six Bs, and then I have one. Like I said, I have one almost stinker. So, I'm curious where this one sits for you. Um, my almost yeah. stinker, what? No, let's let's talk about oh. your almost stinker. It's probably <laughs> it's probably either it's either on your porch or uh-huh. it's I'm ready. I am. That's the only two that it can let's be. Let's see. Okay, and then what was the I'm re- wait I'm what's that song I'm, I'm a- nicotine. Oh, you think those are, are you uh, think those are almost stinkers? Yeah, that's why I think your stinkers. Okay, no, my almost stinker is let's make this moment a crime. Oh, okay. Yeah, this one uh, it really rides the line of pop country, like really, really does. And uh, there's a lot of Taylor Swift here. Like, I feel like Taylor Swift listened to this song and she's like, "This is what I need to do." This is how I make it big is like she this wishes. format. <laughs> she fucking wishes. I, I feel like just the chord progressions and the transitions into the different parts is so Taylor Swift, like pop country Taylor Swift. So it's listenable, but man, it, you're really writing that fucking line into being obnoxious and annoying. And uh, the snare drum here, it's fucking loud. It's loud. Like, like the first song, that first single, the drum, the, that, that snare hit is very loud, but this is like, it's like, relax. Like, this is too much and way too high in the mix. Um, but yeah, this, this is my almost stinker. What, what do you got on this one? I'm fucking, this is my 11B. I'm fucking surprised. Okay. All right. This, and, and I didn't know what the fuck he's talking about lyrically in this. I could not figure it out. Oh, I thought this was about like two people who want to give it a go with each other, but just, it never just matched up or never quite just, I don't know, the timing was never there. And it was all based around a moment that they had that I thought as fate would have it probably shouldn't even happen to begin with. That's a, that's a good, a good analysis of it. There was a couple moments on this record where I had a kind of a difficult time figuring out what he was talking about. I I don't know if man. it's like being contradictory or ambi- I mean, it's more ambiguous than anything, but I don't know. There was one Whatever. song on here that, that I, I completely saw differently on your porch. I completely saw differently, but let's make this moment a crime. I, I don't know the, the the intro and outro to this. I mean, since we're just talking about this and one, not the first time the we outro. heard it. What? No, 
I know, such a banger. <laughs> but the intro and outro to this song is very Jimmy World Clarity. First instance. Uh, very okay. Jimmy World Clarity. And that's the first time. I mean, it's it's a tenth song on the album, so I've, there's songs before this that I will mention as being similar to Jimmy Roll Clarity, but this is just the first time we're talking about a song, mm-hmm. so first instance of Jimmy Roll Clarity. But overall, it's fine. I mean, this one's fun because you kind of just fine. yell the whole time. You're just you're yelling what he's yelling, and it's, yeah. it's fun. It's it's cool. <sighs> but do you understand what I'm saying with the Taylor Swift thing? Are you making that connection at all? Oh, dude, there's this is not the only time on the album that this is pop country. There, I mean, but but, the, but this half is like of the these most, songs are pop country. This is the the closest to it. I, I know I know what you're saying because I, I do agree with you on that. But this is the closest you can get to to pop country without crossing the line. There's, I mean, there's there's, line. there's a lot of little tricks here that they kind of like bring you back, like the drum chickas. There's there's a ton <laughs> of pop punk drum chickas here, and. Um, I don't know. I I like. I mean, I'll just say it and then get out of the way because Josh Reese is boring in this record. But that's intentionally yeah. so. That's he's playing to the song. He's playing to the music. He's playing to the band. Solid stuff. He does have perform. He does have little things here and there that he does. Little nuances that are complicated, but they're not like Travis Barker complicated. They're just he's playing to the music and it fits so damn perfectly. And yeah, I think yeah. he did a fantastic job of being a really, really good musician playing with a bunch of guys that have a lot of really good ideas and then everything kind of just meshing really well together and not being a dick about it like Travis has done in Anima in the State. <laughs> so yeah. that said, I mean, jump performance-wise, like whatever. It's not bad yeah. at all by any means, but it's not memorable. And and because we're not going to talk about Josh Freeze a lot because, yeah, like you said, there's not a lot to talk about. But I know he has said in many interviews that – there was a time he said in the late nineties and early two thousands where he would just be called by like a record label saying, we need somebody to play drums on a record. And he said he would go to the studio, knock it out in like three or four hours and not even know what he even played because he would go and like record, like not even just once a day. Sometimes he would do two sessions a day for different artists. And he said there were even points where he would play a song and never even hear the song. He was just being told like it's a four four. It's this this how many bar, you know this just giving him the specs of the song and saying just play and then they put the song together. That's there there were literally moments where he just did that and he's he's also said that he said it happens all the time where somebody comes up to him or like a fan will come up to him and and say you know oh I loved your when you play I loved your drums on this particular record and he says I don't remember playing that at all did I play on that. And they're like, yeah, yeah, you're you're credited, you know, in the in the liner notes. And he's like, oh yeah, I have, I have no recollection of that at all. Kind so of he a has douche no move, idea. but it is. But well, I mean, well, well, douchey. But he's also played on like over three, four hundred records, and the majority of them came within a ten year span. No, in I, the late nineties and early two thousands. I get it, but to say something like that, it's like you you are now. And I don't think he would do this intentionally because I, I he probably likes a lot of music a lot of different variety of music but by him just saying that kind of diminishes the musicianship of this band of whatever band he works for yeah because yeah. if he's if he's yeah i just phoned it in it's kind of cocky and a little arrogant a little douchey but i don't think it, he meant it to come off that way no i, I don't sounds. think so either but I, I know he's also said it he's also said regarding like a lot of the sessions during this time he said he would play on a lot of records and a, a lot of the records would never come out and he 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 gave a, 
a big example of like uh, Avril Lavigne. He's like, I don't remember playing on an Avril Lavigne record, but I, I, I did. And he said, I also recorded five other artists that were supposed to be the next Avril Lavigne. Like, I, like at the time, record companies were just churning out artists and bands that sounded like other bands. And he said, and half of those art, half of those people I recorded drums for, I've, they've never, ever been released. They've been shelved forever and never to be heard. So he's like, that's why I don't know all of everything I've ever played on because some of it has never been released, which is crazy. You know, you, you're paid thousands of dollars to go record a session and it's never released, but you get the money and then the person who actually, the singer or the person, whatever on the record, never gets it released and gets no money. It also kind of diminishes your own like craft too. If just, I don't know, taking any job you can possibly get and phoning it in and playing basic, basic stuff like this. Yeah, yeah. And he said, I mean, he also did say that that's, he had to stop doing it because he said it was, it made it just like, he said it made it miserable for him because he was just going and playing stuff that he didn't like and things that, he said he was just doing it strictly for the money because it was, it was easy money. So that's why he was doing it. But he said it just, it ruined, it ruined everything for, it ruined a lot for him. And so he, he, he stopped doing a ton of session work because of it, because of things like that. And then that's when he started to play more bands because, like, after that, he joined the Perfect Circle. He joined Nine Inch Nails and shit like that and, like, actual touring bands rather than just being a strictly studio musician. He just posted today about the Dwarves and he posted, like, notes that he's been taking on, on drum parts for the Dwarves mm-hmm. for whatever he's doing with them. He's working with Bob Rock, too, right now. So maybe Bob Rock's doing a Dwarves record. Whatever. Anyway, we're done with Josh Freese. Talk forever. Let's make now. this moment of crime. Done with it. Yes. Don't worry about it. Don't even talk about okay. it again. Yes. What's your? Uh, well, we already talked about um, the first single. We played it. Mm-hmm. We, so, we haven't talked about it. Yeah. What 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 banger is this on you? This better be. That's my one B. Okay. It's my. It's stupid. How can it not be your one B? It's my two B. It's not my one B. Oh my god! You're such a cuck. <laughs> uh, all right. So yeah, it's my one B. I think the the way the song starts just so simple with the, with the drum beat. And just a very simple, you know, acoustic guitar. But it's once his vocals come in, that's when it just everything hits really, really well. And it smoothly transitions into that chorus, that super catchy chorus. And as dumb as the claps are, they work so well in this song. Love the claps. God love the claps. You gotta clap. You gotta clap every time. Yeah. You gotta clap. This is like almost as contagious as the friends clap from the TV show. It's almost as contagious as that. Wait, you're saying the friends clap is contagious? Come on, dude. You I'd never you hear clap. that song. You got because you're, you're boring. No, you're boring. No, not you're at boring. all. Because it's fucking boring. stupid. Because that song is trash. <laughs> the show's the trash. Song is stupid. The show's terrible. But you got to clap. But anyway, the the clapping in this song is is very well placed, cheesy but still well placed and fun. And I think this is a really this is just a, a solid song. This is the first song I ever heard from them. When Tammy threw in the CD. And uh, yeah, I just I was I was hooked from this song, but who knows? Maybe it was nostalgia, and that's it's a good song. It's where it lays it's, down. Um, it's a good song, and I again the 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 name of the the band, the format, boring, the album artwork, the faceless person, boring, their first single named the first single, boring. Like it's just, <laughs> could you not shoot yourself in the foot more? I know it's so it's. <laughs> It's so ballsy, but then also just kind of like so stupid. Like you guys, you guys thought real highly of yourself, didn't you? <laughs> you had a lot. You're very conceited. 
because <laughs> if this didn't work out, again, this would be like a Josh Freeze shelved Avril Lavigne ripoff thing that would never see the light of day because it's that it's that ambitious in its, I don't know, self-deprecation. Well, wasn't wasn't the next record, the dog's record, what was it, dog? Dog Pound? What's it called? I don't know. Like I can't dogs, even think right now. Dogs Eating Dogs, I think dogs it was called. Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that, that album almost got shelved. Like they weren't going to release it, but then they found like at the last minute they ended up releasing it. I think that That's that was the case with that record. I mean, there was a whole thing too with their label, like Electra, like got bankrupt yeah. or got it dissolved. Air got bought it, out, yeah. Yeah, it basically ceased to exist, and so then with any smaller label merging into a massive label, the massive label takes all the artists and says, "Okay, which one of these are we going to cut? Which one of these are we going to save? And which one of these are in the middle?" And the format was yeah. one of those bands that was like in the middle. I'm like, oh, let's keep them and see where it goes or whatever and, and see what happens. So they were, I mean, just by I don't know, the stroke of luck, I guess, they continued to be a band. But like Dog Problems, is, that's what it's called, Dog Problems. Dog Problems, yeah. Yeah, there you go. It's just not, it's just not good. It's not bad. Yeah, it's just I can't not get good. Into it. It's boring. It's, it's forgettable. It's, there's, no, there's no personality to it whatsoever. Because I, I don't think I've listened to Dog Problems since, you know, 2006 or when it came out i think right right around when it came out whenever i met tammy i don't fucking know it was probably the last time i heard it so i was very surprised now like how much i don't remember from it like it's i don't know there's not there's not a lot there it kind of has that that i talked about and i know you hate the word the term but it's like circus pop it has a lot of that circus pop sound a lot of what like fun has as well there's a lot of fun there as well i don't know did you hear that at all no, I didn't like, hear that at all. I think I think Dog Problems, if anything, has... Because I think there's two... Just like how I think there's two different formats, there's also two different funds. Format, Interventions and Lullabies is a completely different band than Dog Problems. Totally different. Mm-hmm. One, yeah. like the format, Interventions and Lullabies, approaches songs in a in a more like simplistic instrumentation coupled with crazy catchy vocal riffs and vocal melodies all you know and it's all put together with with um i don't know the sort of sloppiness because a lot of stuff on here is kind of just sloppy and thrown together it doesn't really make a lot of sense and it's just cheesy yeah whereas like dog problems is is even more cookie cutter than this i mean the format don't stray away from the fucking verse chorus verse chorus bridge chorus outro like that's their that's their mode that's mo but dog problems is 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 boring. Like you could listen to Dog Problems, and again, I listened to it again this week, and I, I still even like the biggest songs. I still couldn't pin down the melody after it was over. Like the title track, Dog Problems. She doesn't get it. These are like massive songs. I don't know the <laughs> melody, but this I know, one, I, I, I think ob- objectively, you could listen to Interventions and Lullabies. You can listen to the first single. You can listen to Wait Wait, and you could be singing the Don't Don't parts. I really do think you can do that. Fun is also the same way. Fun's a band where. They only have two albums, also kind of weird, but their first one, the the aim 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 and ignite, that one is very, and don't don't it's not like like play stuff. It's like chamber music. It's like chamber music. It's a lot of what a lot of harpsichord. That's what's what it's called. Like badly drawn boys is a it's a good example of like chamber music. Chamber music is is chamber music is like classical music that's what that's what that's what this is it's there's harpsichord on this album on interventions and lullabies yeah but it's so minimal 
but no, it's not. It's like part of an entire song. It's yeah, like but it doesn't. The main but it, riff of a song. Okay, the chamber but it music is put together to be like an orchestra, an orchestral arrangement. There's a lot of there's a lot of instruments being played on here, most of it by just the two main guys. And same with fun. That aim and ignite is put together to be like an orchestra, but still with those really strong vocal melodies. The next the next album they had some nights. That's a pop album that was made to be like a pop album. To that was get the one with finally We Are Young, money. right? Yeah. Yeah. That was the right. only one I've ever heard from them is that record. You even heard Aim and Ignite? I don't think I have. I, I really don't think I have. I only mean, you'll, the one with you'll, Young. you'll fucking hate it because it's fun. <laughs> but yeah, you should. Uh, vastly, vastly different than Some Nights. Like those two fun records are more different than each other than these two format records are. Really? Yeah. Yeah, some nights I could not get into. I can't believe they've only put it, he only put out two records with fun. He also has a solo record. Yeah, but when did that come out? Like five years ago? I think he, he stopped. He retired from music for a while because I know he, he, got, he got really into Blink-155, that podcast. So he was on that podcast for a few episodes and, and he like loved Josiah. It was... I was surprised, but I know when he was on it, he was talking about how, yeah, he was just sick of just kind of, I think he was just sick of the fame and just like the bullshit of the music industry. So he just stopped making music and it's kind of, I think he's just kind of lived off the residuals since then, at least off of fun. Well, he's got a kid. I mean, he's got like a family now. He's from, from Arizona, lives in Manhattan. He's living the dream. Man, like New York, Manhattan. Yeah. Does he really? Yeah. How the fuck do you know that? See, I know, bro. I know. I know, bro. For sure, bro. I just I called him. No, I, I do. I do. <laughs> I do my due diligence. That's why. I didn't see that part, but no, you do um, due diligence. So that's fine. Anyway, the first single, "You Know Me," is uh, it's a it's an absolute banger of a song, and it's uh, I don't know. There, I guess I would know there what not. I guess, but there is a the original version of the song on their first EP that came out right before this. Yeah, I think it sounds almost exactly the same, but some people say it it has different parts. But oh, vastly different, two different songs. It might as well be like Sabbath compared to Taylor Swift. Like literally, just fucking so different. Outside of like the production, was it really that different? No, it's it's not that different. But the biggest difference is (laughs) I was going to say it's not the biggest difference. (laughs) There's there's two there's two there's two big differences here. The 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 big the biggest difference in the OG single is that it doesn't hit as hard doesn't hit as yeah. hard as the other one because the drums aren't as loud and they're just not as obnoxious because the drums are obnoxious. They would be super annoying. Like, you don't, what the fuck you need drums that loud for? <laughs> it's not even a good beat. It's just a very basic beat. Like, why are they that loud? But it works. Yeah. Like, why the fuck does it work? I don't know. And the other thing is, is there's too much production. There's too much production tricks in the original single. There's vocal effects. There's these back and forth stereo effects. And... The album version also has these sort of tricks, but they're refined. Whereas, like, mm-hmm. like imagine the, your opening garage band and you and your friend are like, oh, fuck yeah, that's a cool trick. Let's throw that in there without, like, trying to really layer it properly or transition into it and out of it properly. It's just like, let's mm-hmm. fuck it in there. Let's make it happen. Who cares? That's, that's the biggest difference between the two. It's just the OG single is just, okay, yeah. it's too much production without a, without a producer, really. That's kind of what I thought. That's what I, what I remembered was that it just it it wasn't the song itself. It was more the production of the of the actual song, the recording of the song. 
But honestly, the drum the part, difference. the drum part in the OG single is better than than the way Freeze plays it. Is it a drum machine though? Did somebody actually play drums on that? I don't know. I, I didn't. I find. I mean, there. I didn't fucking know Josh Freeze played drums on this one, so I don't fucking that, know. That's true. But, yeah. Well, because like if you go on on the formats wiki, it doesn't say Josh Freeze. You have to go to the Josh Freeze wiki, and you know, go from there and kind of look through his discography. And that's how I I found out about that years ago. I was like, oh shit! I had no idea he played drums on this. Well, from now on, if you don't know who played drums on an album, you just first assume it was Josh Freeze, and second, <laughs> yeah. confirm it was Josh Freeze. <laughs> yeah. If it was recorded any time between 1990 and now, it's probably Josh Freeze. That's annoying. But, <laughs> no, it's not. Get the fuck out of here. Annoying. He's one of the best. Anyway, uh, so what is your? Oh, lyrically, what do we have on on the song? Um, well, there's a couple other things here too. Okay. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. So. So when he transitioned to the bridge and he says that mm-hmm. I hate what I've become, I hate what I've, I've become. become, love how he sounds. Fucking love the way he sings that. I die. I melt. Need. I'm like butter. I turn to butter. <laughs> I melt. I die. And the ending to the bridge, that is so Jimmy E. World Clarity. Done. Fantastico. Yeah. Trying, to, trying to think how that goes. And sing then. It. Sing it for me. How does it go? Dude, I'm not even at the best part yet. Okay. I'm not even there yet. The best okay. part, my favorite part of this song, is the end chorus because it starts about three forty. I got a timestamp. I don't know if you want to play. It. You don't have to play if you don't want to play it. I, I, but the I'm, way he down to play he sings it differently, right? So instead of saying like like you think you do, you just don't seem to be. But like oh, the way he says it, then he says cause a scene. The part when he says cause a scene, so he's like cause a scene mm. in the beginning, but then at the end he's like let's cause a scene. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> What are you doing? What are you doing to me over here? I don't know. I, I'm like giggling right now. I'm giddy. Giddy like a schoolgirl over here because <laughs> this song is so fucking good. All right. Should I, should I fade in at 340 or fade in a little couple, few seconds earlier? What do you think? I would fade in a few seconds earlier just in case. Okay. All right. Here's, uh, here, here's, a, here's what Jeff's talking about from uh, the formats. It really is a nice touch Good. Like, to round out the song. This song is yeah, not really like a two-minute song, a pop song. It's like a fucking four-minute song. We just spent three minutes of it doing the same thing over and over and over, and he just adds this little difference, this little yeah. that causes scene part, dude. Oh, my God. Blows my mind every single time, I swear to you. I mean, I've listened, to this, the ground. I've listened to this record many, many times over the years. And it wasn't until this week when I realized how long some of these songs are. Some of them yes. were five minutes long. Yeah. I couldn't it's believe it. It's a 45 minute album. 12 I songs know. for a pop I band. I thought, when I looked at it, I'm like, okay, this is going to be like 31, 32 minutes. But no, 45 minutes and there's five minutes, six minutes. I think there's one six minute song. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Crazy. All right. Fuck so what else you got on this song? So good, dude. Um, Outside of lyrics, I, what else? I, I, I like, as far as lyrics go, I like reading this as as Nate talking to himself, kind of going like deep inside himself, questioning what type of person he's grown into. Like the second verse is, is sort of like this this defense mechanism he's throwing out like like I don't need anyone. And it's a mm-hmm. it's, I don't know, it's a clear path to a downward spiral and 
and it's my favorite verse because it's so fucking good. And it's, it's, it's like the part where he says, let's, let's make a list of who we need. And the first part of that, that part of the verse, he's actually like contemplating how short the list would actually be, probably because he's the type of person that has now pushed everyone close to him away. Mm-hmm. And the second part of that verse, when he says, and we'll throw it away because we don't need anyone, he's talking to himself saying, like, fuck, man, who cares? I know I'm a dick, but we don't need anybody. I only need myself. I'm an asshole. I like that. Seems like a kind of, I don't want to say narcissist way of saying it, but it makes sense, I guess. I mean, he'll, we'll come into, we'll come into kind of like a a self-preservation, a narcissistic kind of way of him thinking later on also in my biggest mind blower of, of, um, on your porch, which is, I think something different than what I always thought it was. But um, yeah, that's what that's that's what I got here. So so you have you have it seems to me like you have a uh, you had a different interpretation of these songs prior to this week. I thought that song was about heartbreaks and that's it. Heartbreaks and eight oh eights. I mean, people have said that this song is about his criticism of the music industry and and how you know they're the ones creating the music that they don't need to listen to the record label and this and that. Nah, you it's too early. Kinda, no, that's what kind of what I was thinking too. It's too early, and also like this is this album is kind of cookie cutter. It is kind of, it's not. They're not trying to make a statement. No. I mean, with musically with their band name and like we've talked about the band name album cover, they're not making a statement unless it's done like in a tongue in cheek kind of way or like a sarcastic way, which it, it totally is. But they're not that good. I mean, they're not that mind blowing. It's just really really good indie pop music. Yeah, but I mean that that sub 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 genre is so niche, and, and I mean, like, who the fuck cares anyway? <laughs> so yeah, yeah, nah, it's too early. It's it's too early to be a, a, a stab at the at the recording industry. All right, I'd have to agree with you on that. All right, so we good with this song? Finally, <laughs> we're good with that song, baby boy. Okay, so what is your what is your two B? What do you got? That was my two B. That was my second B. Oh, that's right. It was. It that, was. That is right. Yes. That's why I said Oh, it. no. What, then what is your 1B? I'm sorry. What is my 1B? Jesus Christ. Wow. Because um, we usually go with, because we usually start with you, but you decided to flip the format and, oh, the, flip the format. Flip the format. And, um, you're, having, you're having trouble with that alliteration there, aren't you? Uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, all, it's, all, it's all too much. So then what's your 1B? Go. Um, I'm ready. I am. I'm nicotine. <laughs> I, that is my of that favorite song. song. This is uh, this is a song that that friend of the pod Mike and I sing quite often, and mostly I just that, that first line. <laughs> Guys are idiots. Just in, in random bursts, just sing "I'm Nicotine," and um, you know this is it. All yeah, right. this is my this is my favorite song. I can't believe that. This is my five yeah. B. This is my five B. The song is so stupid. It's so super easy. That stupid fucking guitar riff in the beginning, crazy easy. I love this shit. I love these little, those little pop punk intros to the verses. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's really the start cool. like, the start stop thing. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. That's what I put on here too. They they did it really well in this song. And then with and then the, the transitions. And then the or in the drum chica, that chica to go into it too. Like <laughs> added nice added effect. Always always love a good drum chica. Always. I mean, you love any sort of chickas. Love all really chickas, to be honest. I do love all chickas. Yeah, you are a sucker for the chickas. I'm a sucker for the chickas. Chicka, chicka, chicka. Do you know? 
The song is just put together. <laughs> <laughs> the song is put together very nicely. The high lead guitar part and the lower bass that follows the melody, mm-hmm. I love. And I think that's that's why I don't hate that they have three guitarists because you need two. I think at all times the format needs two guitarists. One be to, just as like an acoustic one just to kind of drive everything forward and you need like another lead one to kind of just play a lot of really random high parts. And a yeah. third one in there, eh, a little excessive, yes, but I don't hate it. So, yeah. But fine. for a band, for a band who doesn't really have much of a following, and they go out on tour with three guitarists, a singer, bass player, and drummer, it's a little, a little much. Right? This is this is a band that doesn't have like a massive following outside. Like if you if you just clicked on Peoria on a map and then drew, I don't know. Yeah, where like the fuck a is little, Peoria? Peoria's like. <laughs> Like northeast or northwest of Glendale or northwest of Phoenix. Okay, okay. It's like an hour and a half from my house. Oh, okay. That's not that's not too bad. Yeah, or like thirty five minutes from tip of Phoenix. Okay, yeah, that's not too far. But like, if you just if you just took like Peoria and just made like a circle and color like the circle red, and that's like their hard fan base, and then the outer circle is yellow, and that's like their good fan base. You know what I mean? Like the circle would get bigger and bigger, but it would never reach like NorCal. It would never go to Texas. It would never get like that far. But man, dude, they love the format in Arizona. Like hard. <laughs> I bet. Hard. Nothing comes out of Arizona. That's why. Jimmy Rule came out of Arizona. I mean, Jim very Lawson's. few bands come out. You, we all know very few things come out of Arizona. Linda Ronstadt. Should I go on? JFA. Long, long list of, of fucking highly JFA. successful artists. JFA. Are you kidding? Are you joking my ass right now? I, you know I don't joke asses. We all Jesus. know I like I like how his voice cracks sometimes in this one. Mm-hmm. I think it's funny. And he, his voice cracks a lot in this album, too. I mean, it's, it's, I'm, I hope it's purposeful, but I actually kind of <laughs> hope it's not purposeful. Cause it's kinda, it probably It's endearing. Is. It's endearing. Because he's, he's a young lad. But yeah, man, this is this song is so goddamn good. It's so fucking fantastic. It's just, it's so basic. It's so basic, but it is so catchy. It's such and a then, good pop song. And then to start with, I'm Nick. It, just to start with that line, it's so, it's so stupid. And <laughs> but I love so this song. Whiny. I really do love this song. It is my five B. I think it's. A, I think it's a really, really good song. But man, that that opening part. <laughs> and, and then toward the end, when he's like, "I'm the color green," you should have seen the looks I just received. And Josh was like, "Does like a one, two, three, four, five, six pop punk chicka chicka." Ooh, that's a lot of chicka chickas. Dude, so many chicka chickas. Not enough chicka chickas in my book. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna play a little bit of uh, "I'm Ready, I Am." We'll talk about it more, I'm sure, and the, as well as the lyrics. So here we go from uh, the format. I'm nicotine. I'm coming clean. I fooled the crowd when I made it sound like I was more than ready. Your last 
There you go, the format and the song I'm Ready, I Am. I'm Nicotine. He does have this, I mean, I know we've talked about, you know, he, he, the starting and stopping in the songs, but he has a really kind of cool way of um, doing a pre-chorus, but changing the lyrics every pre-chorus, which a lot of artists don't do. But he keeps with the, he keeps the melody obviously, but just changes the lyrics. Maybe maybe not completely changes them, but you know certain parts of the of that pre-chorus. I, I like that a lot. I think that's really really cool. I think it sounds good. I think it's um, it just spices it up a little bit for a band that isn't too spicy. It spices it up. He he really is a really good. He's a really good songwriter. And if we're basing yeah. it just off of this alone, like he's a fantastic songwriter because again. Most of these lyrics don't ever rhyme, so it's hard yeah, to that, yeah. it's hard to attach yourself to to a song that doesn't rhyme because there's nothing there's nothing there. And inherently, humans want rhyming. We want structure. We want something familiar. We want to repeat something later on. But the, like the focus is such on the melody, and the melodies are so strong, and they're there. And this yeah. this one right here, that I'm nicotine part, it's just two fucking words, and it's so dumb. But I love the way he says it because it's uh, nasally, yeah, but it's see? just it's just yeah. enough nasal, a little bit but more to be even annoying. The um, the acoustic guitar part is very pop punk. That dun, 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 it's just the 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 low and the high. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Like the yeah, the palm. Like, it, it's so pop punk. It it's essentially he's just hitting a power chord with his index finger, yeah. and then his his ring finger or pinky finger, and then just moving his index finger up and down, but yeah. keeping the ring and and the pinky finger in the same spot. But that's that's also what I like about the format, especially in this album, is they are not afraid to use not just like an acoustic guitar, but like an unmodulated, clean acoustic guitar. And that's not, and it sounds like it's something so easy, but so many times we hear bands use acoustic guitars and there's always run through some type of either like a delay, a verb, a phase, yeah, there's some yeah. type of, of effect. There's usually an echo, like usually always there's an echo added to the acoustic guitar already having that echo. But God, man, the format yeah. just uses a straight up acoustic guitar. Yeah, I think this, I think honestly this this album is mixed really well outside of like some of the snare drum tones. I think this album is mixed very, very well. Everything is, like I usually have a big issue with acoustic guitars within like a rock band. I know you do too. Because usually it sounds just stupid and unnecessary. It's fucking cheesy, yeah. But the format just do it really well. I but I think it's also because like you said, they they layer it so much with different guitars. So you have you know, you have the acoustic plant doing just the basic rhythm. Then you have an electric come in there with just a purely clean tone, kind of doing the same thing as the acoustic, but then you come in with like a little bit of a crunch with that lead guitar. So it's like it's this nice layer of it all. So I, I, I understand kind of why they would use three guitar players live, but in such like a small I said, capacity. I, it, I don't it's hate so. it, but I, I mean, I don't like it, but I don't hate it. So what do you have lyrically on this one? Or do you have anything else musically? No, that's about it. I didn't, I didn't think lyrically this was that interesting. Nothing, nothing at all. I, him, he's trying to prep himself for this inevitable breakup. Yeah, that's what that's it, it is. It. And yeah, he's prepping himself, but then all these, because all he's hearing is and seeing are things that are reminding him of falling out of love with this girl. That's what it is. He's seeing his own 
toxic behaviors and her toxic behaviors and now they're just not compatible anymore. So yeah, that's the first line. I'm nicotine. He thinks he's addicted. <laughs> the, the, the epitome of addicted. But in the next line, I'm coming clean. Is he's trying to stop, trying to get away. Mm-hmm. It's cute. Yep. So cute. So cute. So then uh, that was your one. You did your one and two B. That was my one and two B. So my two B is on your porch. What? On your porch is my two B. Man, I like this song. What? I liked this song. Get out of town right now. I swear. I swear, man. Where does this one sit for you? This is my three B. This one fucking. Okay. All right. I mean, my my first six Bs are just, they're untouchable. Honestly, they're untouchable. I, I thought this this was either going to be your one or two B. I really really thought that. Listen, this is this is the other one. I mean, we sing this one more than I'm ready. I am my friend in the pod, Mike. And this is the one that we sing like a lot, and pull random <laughs> lines here and there from is it this from this one. one? And, yeah, and sing constantly. See, I I know, I know. I've I mean, I've heard this song so many times, but I've never sat down and listened to the to the lyrics. But talk about a depressing song man. this this one bummed me out but that's why i think i that's one of the reasons why i think i like it so much because it evoked something in me that was just it was like heart-wrenching so here's I, the, I don't know man this yeah, this is a tough I, one for me man this this was so this is like one of the the sadder songs i've ever heard see like i've always thought that this was just straight sadness and because the whole dad thing but then you don't you forget like there's a second verse because the first verse is so impactful it's it hits so hard but then the second yeah. verse is is kind of totally different and i think this song is is i think it's an incredibly brave song masked with sadness and i think it's i think it's all about just being afraid overall it's about it being afraid first it's yeah. uh, the first verse is he's, he's afraid his dad's going to die cuz he got sick and then like it turns into this this because he quit college with his buddy and, and they chose the musician life. And I think it's like, I don't know, just being being scared, but also knowing that this is what you want to do. Because when he talks about like the idea of a porch, right? They, they, they take the idea of a porch. He's at his parents' house sitting on their mm-hmm. porch. It's comfortable. It's safe. It's familiar. And that's how the song opens and that's how the song closes is I'm sitting on the porch. He feels comfortable. It's like, it's like being... It's like coming home after being away for a long time or being, I don't know, a hard day at work or, or just in a bad mood. You come home, you just feel, as soon as you walk in the door, you just feel like, ah, finally. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm safe. This is my safe spot. And yeah. it's just, it wasn't like he was just running from his sick parent. Like, he was running from, like, pressure and expectations and commitments to follow his dreams of moving to L.A. and being, being like, a famous musician. And the first part, yes, it is about, like, him being scared about his dad, like, dying, but... Ultimately, it's just him wanting to be his own person. He wants to go away and, and talks about like he can't even look at his dad because he's like, fuck, man, like my dad's going to die. But I still need to go do me like I still need to go to L.A. I still need to go and live my life and achieve my dreams. And like the reason why this song hits so hard is because when it is when like his parents tell him like, you're not a, you're not a failure, even if you fuck up. We still love you. And like that, yeah. that gives him that drive to think, I can leave Tempe. I can leave Peoria. I can go to LA. I can move out and like be successful on my own because no matter what, I can always go home and go to the porch 
and be with my mom and dad in my house and feel safe, feel familiar, and I don't know, just be happy. So I think the song is is sad, but I think ultimately it's more of like a like a venturing off on your out, venturing off on your own song, which should be celebrated and be happy, but it's just masked with some uber sadness. Yeah, yeah. But I think ultimately I, I, it's like really happy. I understand that. I I kind of took it in a more negative way where he was he was confronted with something he didn't want to deal with, so he removed himself from the situation. And while he was doing that, he was he was confronted by his father. And even though his fa- his father knew what he was doing, like like essentially not abandoning, but just kind of escaping to not have to deal with it. And instead of treating him like like making him feel guilty about it, he tells them that he loves him and that, you know, I, I understand, I'm not here to guilt you, but I understand, and I understand that you have to get away. Like you can't handle this and I don't fault you for that. Like he understands the, the kind of severity of it and he doesn't try to guilt trip his son. And then the, in the second verse, it is him leaving and yeah, he's happy, but by the end of the second verse, he's kind of thinking like, he's thinking like, are they still thinking about me? Are they should like, it's almost like he, he's questioning whether or not he made the right decision of leaving. That's what it is. That's what I, that's my, my interpretation of this song. I think it was, and then mix that with, you know, it's pretty much only Nate and then the, the acoustic guitar with a little bit of like percussion, but very, very minimal. And, uh, it's just, it's just so melancholy and sad and, it's it's a depressing song. Like they did it, honestly. They did a great job on this song. Dude, the way, man, this is. I, there's just so many layers to this. It's it's such a it's a song that is such a slow build, and it mm-hmm. tears you down so hard. Like this song tears me te- still even after like the thousands listen 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 listen. I listen to the song <laughs> like a, like Mike Tyson over here listening to the song. <laughs> listening to the song. I'm not gonna stop saying that. That's yeah, bad. you're having a, you're having a li- one. listening to the song after like the thousandth time. <laughs> Tip of the teeth, the mouth, the lips, the jaw. It it still te- it tears me down, dude. Like it really does. It's fucking hard to get through because it's such an emotional roller coaster, and and, and like it's a song built around Nate. I mean, the, like the strumming powder, the strumming. Fuck, I'm all over the place here. The strumming pattern hits hard later on. Because it's not picking anymore, it's now strumming, mm-hmm. and so that's also kind of building to like its overall crescendo, which I think the crescendo is eventually like the chorus, and yeah. then the chorus is is that that kind of final like self part where he's like I got to do this, because the first part is is he's already leaving at this point, he's on the porch, he you know I mean the, he he came to his parents' house to say like Hey, I'm fucking leaving. This is what I have to do. But then his dad's like sick. And his dad was sick like at the point when he was writing the song. His dad was super fucking sick. He was going to die. Yeah. And so he's already there to tell his parents he's leaving. His dad's sick. And now he feels obligated to stay. But he still has like this passion to leave. And so then his dad's like, yeah, just go ahead. It's fine. Fuck off. Whatever. It's cool. Like, god damn. What, what a cool parent, first of all. Yeah. And so that's why I think like yeah. the crescendo is the chorus. Is when he's like, what's left to lose? You've done enough. And it's just like all of this emotions are finally hitting him. And that's when all the, the the production tricks are finally setting in. 
and the strumming is like coming into its own and it just builds up so nicely to that first chorus and it kind of just like rides it rides from there and that's why the second chorus or the second verse is always forgettable because that first verse hits so hard where you forget the second verse where he's already now in LA he's already in Hollywood he's already mm-hmm. now living the dream and he's still like questioning whether or not he made the good deci- he made it the best decision he could have made yeah yeah and then it all drops back down into the picking and at the very end in the outro when it's pacing again in the outro it's pleasant it's not like sad or depressing like it was in the intro yeah no, it hits that's a little right. hits a little hits a little easier musically musically and lyrically it tells quite the story and you know kind of praising him on on the way he writes his lyrics and writes songs in that you know yeah there are two choruses but they're different lyrics yeah kind of, kind of the same i mean it is i mean they're the chorus so it's like the same thing so it's essentially like two different two different sets of verses really that's what it is i guess if you want to really break it down that way yeah the chorus is 10 i mean it's it's two different sets of verses four verses really yeah I mean, it's just a weird way same. of writing a poem almost. Yes, exactly. And this is, I mean, this is the most song-like song on the album because a lot of stuff here, like the choruses, he does change things a little bit. And because we've already heard the first chorus, we we can sing the second chorus, but some of the words are changed just, just enough to where it's, you know, it's, it's, it's different and it blends with the verse and it's just, it mm-hmm. is really good songwriting. It really is. And then there's there's essentially two different outros. You know, I mean, one's one's listed as a post-chorus, but I mean, it's essentially, I mean, I guess you can make it one long intro, but usually, I mean, outros, but usually outros are just the same thing over and over again. But I don't know. This this is a really, I think it's a really well-made song in every way. And and usually too, like when, when a guitar matches up so well with, with the vocal melody and the vocals in general, it's because the person singing is also playing guitar. So huge props to uh, Sam, 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 to Sam and Nate because the way that they that interplay on this song I think is is top notch. It's so fucking yeah, they, yeah, good. They've been boys since grade school. Like they, yeah. you know what I mean? They've they've been together for a long time. Mm-hmm. At at camp, like at camp, after we do like the campfire and then when things quiet down we cease clapping and yelling and then whenever we like something instead of applauding you snap right like you snap and you get 300 kids snapping and it's kind of like a cool effect it's a very calming effect to show appreciation and it's really cool still to this day after the song is over i snap my fucking fingers because this is a song that we always played at camp and it's like that melody that guitar part anybody that played guitar at camp knew how to play this song so i still snap after the song is over to this day pretty cool though that is i snap like i'm in my car i I take my hands off the wheel on the freeway and i snap (laughs) of course you do yeah live life dangerously right i do all right so let's uh let's play a little bit of uh on on your porch and then we'll, we'll move on so here it is from the format get ready to get sad on your porch The smoke sank into my skin So I came inside to be with you And we talked all night About everything 
go on your porch from the format and what a sad song man it's so sad uh this one got me so so bad i guess like i just look at this song more of of of, like i don't know as, as a kid accepting that i need to make a hard decision of leaving my parents behind who care for me so much to go follow my dreams mm-hmm. rather than I'm leaving my parents to die type of thing. I mean, yeah, you, you're you're taking on a much positive, much more positive route, which is good. I mean, it, that's that's what music should do. It should have us talking about this kind of shit. Because I, I, I really tried to find if his dad, because I, I know he was sick at this point. Like, he was really, really sick, and he was going to die. But I don't think he did die. And I don't know yeah. if he's still alive. And I couldn't find anything on that. I read, like, a lot of interviews and... They asked him about this, but nothing was like, well, is your dad still alive? It's like, I didn't find anything whether or not his dad's still alive, and he never brought it up, so. It would be kind of an insensitive question, too. <laughs> uh, your dad died? Well, I don't know. I want to know. I know, I cl- but. <laughs> I need closure, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's still not like a very appropriate thing to ask somebody. So I understand why it hasn't been brought up, if he died. Needs to be brought up. All right, so then uh, that's my number two, my, my 2B. Uh, what do you got for your 3B then? My 3B was on your porch. Oh, that's right. That's not right. listening to anything. Like literally I am, not listening. You're hearing. Usually, it doesn't, you're usually hearing. it doesn't happen like this. You're hearing, but you're not listening. That's usually our, our Usually our Bs aren't this close together. Like we, We'll have like one, maybe two, but our Bs have been very close. All right, so my, uh, my 3B is tune out. Let's tune out by turning on the radio. Dude, talk about a fucking catchy, catchy chorus. This is almost this is almost as catchy as you know that single. Obviously, because it's my three B. Um, there's also an acoustic version of this, which I think is 
honestly, I think it's better than this version, and it's on the Snails EP. There's a few acoustic versions on that EP, um, but uh, but anyway, yeah, this is uh this is cool because it kind of it's it starts off pretty slow, but then it speeds up in the chorus. So it's like this it's back and forth, but during the chorus, it's very bouncy sounding. I just like all the different variations because they don't they don't fuck around with a lot of you know I don't want to say styles but just yeah, very, no, I, don't, I don't know I can't don't. even try do you, do you know what I'm saying in this song yeah uh, they they They're, play it safe but they just add like a little bit of layering here or there to yeah give to it the actual depth. song itself yeah so that that's kind of why this is my number three and like I said how how do you feel about the acoustic version on the snails. I, I don't like it as much as the the studio one, no. What? <laughs> no. You always because love acoustic more. I do, I do. Because I don't know. I, I've I've seen the format and I've seen them live and I've seen them do actual like acoustic songs a lot. And I don't I don't like the Snails EP. I just don't like it. I'm really? not a fan of it. I don't like it. I don't like the way they do acoustic songs on there. Not That's... a fan of it. And this one, because I don't know, this one needs this one needs to build. This is one that builds into the chorus, and I think it needs that build because mm-hmm. the chorus is so fucking catchy. Arguably one of the weirdest, catchiest things on the album. It's mm-hmm. so fucking catchy, but it needs that build up. And in the acoustic version, it doesn't quite get that build up. And, and like I the intro, so. I think the intro is a solid guitar riff. It's like a perfect guitar riff intro because it gives us a sneak peek to the main melody. But then it immediately drops out and then goes into that staccato piano thing with the weird singing, pacing. and But you get, like, right in the beginning, you get, like, the melody to the chorus. Like, oh, fuck. That's what we're going to hear later on. And then it builds up into the chorus. I'll tap the brink. Dude, it's so good. And the bass throws down this massive slide, and it's just like this is another one that's like a real country twang to it. Yeah, it it has it has the slide guitar in it. Like you could definitely hear it, and but it doesn't sound cheesy. Like that's one of the instruments that could just that rides the line of being really cool in a song and just beyond cheesy. There's no in between, and it it works so well in the song. They utilize it very well, and uh, there's a couple other songs too where they they use like a banjo, a, a mandolin, and even some chimes and it it works surprisingly well it's not too goofy but they did the slide well in this one so i'm going to play a little bit of tune out then we'll we'll talk about it more and get into the lyrics so here it is from the format
Dude, that chorus is unreal. It's t- I'm telling dun, you, you dun, need, dun, you dun, need dun, the build up there. Wait, what's the... Oh, there's another song. Uh, I, I lost it. There was, a, there was a chorus that just right now reminded me of... This chorus reminded me of it. I don't know. Never mind. Um, <laughs> there it goes. There she goes. And uh, fuck, what was I going to... I Now I'm totally lost. I'm totally fucking lost on what I was going to say. That's cool. We can talk about the lyrics. Whatever you want to do, kid. No, I, there was something I wanted to talk. Fuck, I wanted to talk about. The 51 is backed up and too slow. I've been on the 51. I've driven it. What it's crazy. Where is the 51? I'm fucking, I'm living history, kid. <laughs> I don't think I've driven on the 51. Is um, it north of Phoenix? You've, you've driven past the 51 for sure going home. On the 10, when you go home and you're going to like downtown Phoenix, there's an yeah. option to go north to the 51. Oh, okay, okay. But yeah. I've never actually driven that. So you, but you've seen it, though. I'm sure I have, yeah. You've I, seen I the 51, recall. and you've probably seen that it was backed up and too slow. <laughs> Much so. like the 10 through downtown Phoenix? Yeah, well, that's you know, during rush hour, yeah. Only during, like, between 3 p.m. and, like, 6. Dude, Barely. They're, dude, their rush hour, dude, Phoenix rush hour is nothing compared to the bullshit I have to experience. Yeah, here I was going to say. Here like, in Southern California. <laughs> Ain't no like four oh five rush hour oh, traffic dude. shit. Four oh five, one oh one, five. Dude, yeah. it's unreal. Or dude, even Orange County, you know, fifty five the fifty five, the fifty seven, the what they call what they call the Corona. orange crush. The orange Oof. crush right Oof. there. The orange crush is the worst. Ray's mom that drove that for ten years. Yeah, fuck that noise. Anybody who does not live in Southern California or in Orange County, LA County, no they don't know what we're talking about at all. They don't know anything about traffic, honestly. Nothing. No, nothing. And thinking about like somebody like Skip, who lives in Birmingham, where he pretty much walks and takes public transportation everywhere, he has literally no idea what we're talking about. Yeah, the fuck does he know? He's never experienced traffic. (laughs) (laughs) It's stupid. Why is this even a conversation? I know. This entire Uh, country, you could walk from one side to the other side probably in 20 minutes. Easy. Yeah, but not in SoCal. (laughs) Oh, my God. What a nightmare this place is. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. Let's see here. Tune out. Yeah, well, okay. What, what, do we, what do we have lyrically on this one? I kind of think it's about like a relationship that's run its course, but neither person wants it to end. And uh, I, don't know. I, almost, I almost thought it was just about like being so content with someone that you could just sit in silence and be okay. But okay. I don't know. The constant use of tune out makes it seem like the relationship is, is being phoned in and the 51 being backed up and too slow is a solid metaphor to like the relationship a freeway is supposed to be quick and fast paced and exciting yeah but when it's congested it's fucking miserable so i i took it the opposite i i feel like this song is about how he's how in love he is with the girl and even the simplest things make him happy as long as he's doing them with her and then speaking of the traffic like even sitting in traffic, he's still happy because he's with her. As long as he's with her, he he'll do anything. He he'll sit through traffic. He'll go through the worst things as long as it's with her. He'll tune out the rest of the world as long as he's with her. That's 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 what I got from this song. Yeah, I Yeah. No. So different I, but the I same, like Ray Fist would say. Different but the same. Yeah. Um I don't know, man. That I, I just I can't get over that chorus. I think the chorus, chorus is, is so good. It's the most unique and probably the catchiest on the album, honestly. Yeah, there, but there's it sounds like something, but I I cannot put my finger on it. 
or putting my finger in it. Um, but anyway, that's all I got, I guess, for tune out. Do we have anything else on this one? Let's tune out by turning on the radio. Oh, nope, that's it. Oh, you know what? It, I know what it is. There's a there's a Phantom Planet song called "Do the Panic," where it's it's like bop bop bop. Wait, I'm not gonna I'm not even gonna try to you know no, I'm not even gonna try to sing it. Keep, I'm no, not even gonna try to sing do it. Do it again. That was good. But they have a song called it. "Do the Panic" that sounds a lot like this. I'm gonna talk to Tammy about this. I'm gonna have mm-hmm. to talk to her about this one. Ah, yeah, I'm gonna text. Her. I'm gonna text her on the next break. From your computer? But from my computer, my MacBook. <laughs> Come on, Jeff. <laughs> Step in, step into the future here. Stebbin? Step into the future. <laughs> <laughs> With two B's, stepping. Stepping. <laughs> Just All like right. a stepping razor. <laughs> do, 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 do. Uh, okay, so what is your? What's your four B? Career day. Career, Career day. day. That is not a B for me. That's I will crazy. Say. That's wrong. It's not a B. Why, so what is it about this? Is it the mandolin or the chime? It's everything, what, what dude. Got? Fucking sick bass. Awesome. Yeah, love just it. that one note. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's all you need. It's good buildup, dude. I love this. I love this intro because you know, like you know, we're going someplace at some point. Like, yeah. come on, nobody, no, no band in the history of of making decent music has has started off a song like this and then not not gone somewhere cool. And then okay. we get somewhere cool. And there's, there's again, there's very little rhyming in this one. And it's a lot of different little vocal melodies and instrumental parts. And like the, the line that he says, up to nine or ten, up to nine or ten. And then he says, or maybe 11. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's so dumb. It's so <laughs> dumb. Like, how does he even, he just like draws it out. <laughs> he doesn't even sing. He doesn't mm. even sing like, or 11. It's just, it's, he lets it just spill out of his mouth. With all this different like inflection, it's so good. And then when the outro part hits, Tyler, oh my god, dude, Rebecca Anstead, when the outro part hits, that's one of the best parts on the whole record. It's magical. It's one of it's, the best parts on the whole record, dude. And then like a fucking harpsichord throws down, and like this is this is it. I could listen to this outro part. This reminded me of Goodbye Sky Harbor. Like I could. This yeah. is this is a looped thing. Where they're like, holy fuck, we just did something really cool. But instead of sixteen minutes, it was like two and a half, three minutes of just this outro part. <laughs> and it's solid. It is solid, solid stuff. Uh, I love that part. And yeah, the song is almost six minutes long. I just double checked. And that that is my, that's one of my favorite parts on the entire record is the outro to the song. But the rest of the song doesn't really do it for me. I, it's It's a good song. Don't get me wrong. It's a good song. But maybe I just, maybe I just haven't sat with the song as much as, the rest of the record, I have no idea. But it's still good. It's good. It's just long. Just a long one. Okay. A lot okay. of lyrics. Really a, a lot, lot of lyrics. lyrics. A lot <laughs> but of lyrics. I don't have, I don't, I mean, otherwise then it's a mid-tempo song and I think it is cool that they use the other instruments and they, they, they kind of utilize more than just the, the guitar and melody on this. That is cool. But then it also kind of reminded me of fun and I don't like that. So... There were parts of this record that that reminded me of fun, and I, that kind of, I don't know, wasn't for me. I think you need to stop judging fun based off of some nights. I really do. Maybe I mean you might be right. I think I think in the next couple days you need to just listen to the first record. You know what we should have done? We should have just ranked all four records. That's honestly what we should have done. 
no, because it would have been. I, I know you would have also ranked it the same. It would have been this one, and then funds first, and then format second, <laughs> and then funds second. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Because I mean, I like the fun record, the first one, a lot. But I mean, come on, it's no interventions in lullabies. Come on, that's silly. I would know. I would not know. I've never listened to it. But so. yeah, career day. Like I said, I can't. I can't really remember how it goes Up until it gets to that outro. Ten. Oh, maybe eleven. That's how he sings it. That's really fucking. <laughs> it's crazy. Should I play a bit of the the beginning and then go to the outro? That's fine. We got a bunch of other bees to get through. I hate it anyway. I mean, I at least want to do. I at least want to do the outro. You want to do in with the outro and out with the old? You have oh. to. We have to do it. It's the one of the best parts of the whole record. Well, do you have a timestamp or no? Me in the morning. No. No, of course not. Okay. Neither do I. Because the whole song's fucking good. I would have just timestamped one part of the best song. All right. Well, I'm just going to play. I'm going to play just the outro part of it because it's it's just so calming and catchy and it has this like very nice, subtle build to it. And it never goes crazy. It's just really fucking good. So here's the uh, the outro to Career Day from uh, the format. There you go, the end of career day. The outro. Mm, 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 so what do you have lyrically mm, on this song? Sucked it. I have um fucking good. <laughs> I, I thought this was uh I thought this is again about him finding success or happiness and looking back to the people, probably a girl, and realizing that that relationship has run its course. And it sucked mm. anyway. Who gives a fuck? And that's like the in with the outro and out with the old is like, you know, let's let's start this breakup process here. Let's mm-hmm. let's let's start let's start the end. Let's get this yeah. over with. That's what I thought. I, I have I have similar similar thoughts on this one. I feel like this is a an, an extremely extremely manipulative girlfriend who tries to turn everything as you know she's the victim in the whole relationship. 
to make him feel like shit. And that's really the only reason why he stays for a while because because he just feels bad. It's the guilt. And then eventually he begins to realize, you know, you know, she's in the wrong. I'm not that bad of a person. And then that's when we hit the the actual outro of the song. And that's him breaking up with the girl, his feelings on the breakup of the relationship. That's what I get with this one. So it's it's similar. It's very similar. I dig. I do too. I dig the song a lot. So, I dig. So that was your four B. That was my four right? B. All right. Did I do my four B yet? Or did you are did? We I think you did. Um, no. Two now. I'm was ready. I was your five B. Right. Wait. What was that? I'm ready. I am. Was your five B? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so I, I did not yeah. do your four B. My my four B is tie the rope. See, just let I me mean, real quick here. When I when I do my notes, I like to highlight things in red that I've already talked about. Yeah, you I know. don't delete them. I highlight them in red. Maybe you could um, <laughs> take a little bit of this advice I'm going to give you right now. Just highlight them in red. Okay. Literally, as, yeah. as I was looking for no, seriously, literally as I was looking for it, I realized, fuck, I've, I've not been putting this in red. I should yeah. have. You should be putting. Yeah. That's what I've been doing. It's. I mean, it's super easy. That's what you've been doing for like two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Since Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing this for like two years, but yeah, you've been doing it for two weeks. That's all that matters. <laughs> uh, I'm putting everything in red net right now, like it even fucking matters. But um, tie the rope. That's my nine B. Tie the rope. Yeah. Why is that there's, one so low for you? Um, just because uh, there's dude, there's fucking eight other songs that are just a little bit better, to a lot better. <laughs> and this one's this one's this one's great though. It's got a cool drum beat, it's a danceable little mm-hmm. jam, bass finally coming out and doing some work. And the chorus is like <laughs> broken up and has this weird kind of pacing to it. Like Nate, Nate just just talks and then sings and then just won't stop spitting words out. And when you think there will be like a negative space, it's filled with like a dramatic instrumental part. I like that. Yeah. I like how the music will just drop right. I like how the music drops right before Nate starts singing rather than both of them hitting the cue all at once. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Because it... Makes it sense. It allows the drop to extend about half a second, and mm-hmm. it gives you this like really longer, I don't know, drop. Really longer. And the solo, dude, yeah, really longer. This solo is is definitely very clarity sound. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I can definitely, I can definitely see that or hear that. Uh, I will say too that the pre-chorus on this this song is up there with the catchiness of Tune Out, of the oh. chorus and Tune Out. I. I that that lead up into it is it's like it's like Tom DeLong status right here. You know, Tom when we at least I've recently discovered his pre-choruses are the best parts of his song, of Blink and Angel and Airwave songs. The pre-chorus is the best. Usually the best. And this is one of those instances where he took a little bit from Tom. Just saying. Took a little bit from Tom cuz who doesn't? And um I love that part and the chorus itself is beyond catchy this is this is really the entire song really is up there with tune out except it's a little bit i don't want to say dancier but because of the way the the beat is being played it makes it more like a dance beat i guess or a dancier <laughs> number i can see why you like it too because it also is very it's very like angels and airwaves kind of sounding and it's like i wouldn't a little, know there's a little danciness there there's no danciness with angels Angels and airwaves? No, there's not. They're 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 fucking borderline a disco band. Are you joking my ass right now? Oh, that's the stupidest thing you've ever seen. Outside outside of their if they give you sandwich their their records, outside of Wooden Toe and Life Forms, everything in between is a fucking <laughs> electronic 
dance fest. Some of it good, a lot of it very, very bad. Oh, you're so stupid. Because you know every time you listen to their discography, you like almost all of it. No, I don't. I'm not true in any way, shape, or form. The only one you don't like is Love Part 2. That's the only thing you I don't only like. I only like two of them. And then I like oh, one God. or two EPs. But I only like two of their albums. Everything else I think is bad. No, you're fucking lying. Bad. Even the last time we did an Angels record, you said how much you like Dreamwalker. I didn't like Dreamwalker. Yes, you did. You're no, fucking dumb. Like Chasing Shadows. That's a great, that's their best EP. I know, sure it's a fantastic EP. Bad music. Uh, no, it's great music. But anyway, we're, we're not talking about Tom DeLonge. I could talk about Tom ceiling, Just tie the rope. rope. Oh. Let's play a little bit of it then, since you're already singing it. You gotta compare, we got to compare the two singers. So Just here's a... me hanging there. <laughs> here's Tie the Rope from the format. <laughs> There you go, tie the rope from the format. And uh, <clears throat> you know what really, really is irritating? Like, so fucking irritating right now. It's actually really pissing me off. Hmm. Is that you are absolutely right. I never I made that connection, but this song is so Angel and Airwaves. I didn't make it literally until you <laughs> just said it, until you brought up, like, some whatever you brought up. It makes so much sense. Oh, like, it, was even the, the, it was the the Tom DeLonge the pre-chorus. It was the, it was yeah, the Tom DeLonge pre-chorus. Yeah. That's what it was. But yeah, the it, it is the guitar. It's the guitar and the verses. Wow, dude, I'm so irritated. You're so fucking right. You're right. <laughs> You're fucking right. Yeah, I, you you know your I Tom. You love gra- your Tom, and it's it's you gravitate towards all stupid things, Tom. So I, I gravitate towards good things, and that's what this is. And don't shut the fuck up with your Tom <laughs> shit. <laughs> fuck you. But th- now this song, this song is really good. This is this might this might be higher now that I made this Tom connection. 
this might be this might be my three B now. I don't know. This is this is solid. I'm 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 happy. I'm happy about this. Um but <laughs> it's so pathetic. <laughs> oh it's very God. stupid. It's very fucking stupid. But this whole podcast is stupid. What do you I mean anybody listening this far into it, I mean it's we're all stupid. stupid. Yeah, they're stupid. We're all stupid. Um ly- lyrically <laughs> I'm so irritated. I'm you have no idea how irritated I am how right you were about this. It makes me so no, fucking I, mad. I know. I mean I'm always right, so it's fine. Well you're you're very rarely right. So when you, you are right, you it should, makes me uh, extra mad. You should get used to it. Well, it's never going to happen again. Um, what do you got lyrically on this one? Yeah. Uh, I, I I like how I like how kind of upbeat and happy this song sounds, but really, you know, he's talking about a relationship that is that is killing him, mm-hmm. and he knows how awful that like, he's being treated, and even goes as far to say that he's he's like killing himself for her but still choosing the slow death because he still is doesn't want it to end. I, I agree with you. Like th- these might be some, these are pretty dark lyrics for one of the, I think arguably the happiest song on the record. And I mean, literally tie the rope. He's talking about tying the news, tying like hanging himself. That's pretty dark for yeah. to, to title the song that, and you have like your happiest disco angels and airwaves sounding song right here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it really just talks about how devastated he is after they break up, and you know, it's just him kind of going through the whole throt, the whole throt, the whole throt process of it, and you know, he he kind of is contemplating suicide, and just his depression is getting so bad, and um, yeah, it's pretty, Dude, that that it's that chorus is so, it's pretty brutal. Like, just yeah, tie the rope, is. kick the chair, and just leave me hanging there. And what did he say? Like, I'm three feet from the ceiling or something like that? Yeah, gasping for air. Don't mind me. Three feet from the ceiling. Fuck, like, man. That... Even still, he's, like, excusing himself. Like, uh, don't worry about me. I'll be fine. I'm only three feet from the ceiling. Like he's, It's very explicit. Very, very explicit. For, for, like, an otherwise just kind of melancholy, mopey, teenage drama album, this one's, this one's pretty gnar. Well, even even the, the first two... The first two lines in the second verse where he says, you'd rather watch me drown than see your hands get wet. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it, it's a great it's a great set of lyrics right there. It's such a good, like, fuck you. Oh, it's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. I, I like that line a lot. Um, But yeah, there's um, this is a really good song. I, I think musically, lyrically, I think it's a really good song. And like I said, now that you made that connection and I've realized it, this is probably my 3B now. Oh God, that's gross. That's, that's nasty. Funny. Is that that's really? Nasty. Are you really changing your? No, mean? I'm not. I'm not oh. doing. That. I'm just fucking with you. Well, because you probably would. That's something you would do. What? So you've never changed your thoughts on a song or a beer? You've never changed the rating on a beer? Not based off of some pathetic it? Tom DeLonge crush. Oh, no, get the I've fuck never out done of here. that. Get the fuck out of here. Crush, but I'm not. I'm not crush, actually doing crush. Crush. Two, three, four. The fuck get is that? Paramore song. Paramore. They're gonna say like PM five K or something. Doesn't that sound like a PM5K song? Like the, the way, way you say, say it, is, the way you, yes. yeah, the way you Haley, say it. Haley yeah. Williams has a little more, <laughs> a little more tact, a little more elegance. But yeah, she's not like like Crush, like some horrible metalcore chode, <laughs> a little metalcore chode that you love, like PM5K. Um, PM5K is not metalcore. 
they're come on, dude. They're metalcore. What are they? PM5K's like, oh, no, I'm not metal. I'm thinking new metal. New metal. I don't know why I thought metal. Yeah, new metal. Yeah. Ah, shit. Okay. So, we have anything anything left on Tie the Rope? No. No, 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 no. Okay. So, I'm going to put this all in red. Not going to delete it. Put this all in red. Good boy. All right. So, what do you got for your 5B? 5B is a mess to be made. See, this is not a B for me. This is not a B for me. But what do you got on this one? This this song's nuts. First of all, it's a fucking dope waltz, and it's in 3-4 time. And it's not... (laughs) It's not like in six eight, and it's it's in like slow three four. So we're getting like we're not you know we're not getting the faster notes. It's mm-hmm. it takes its time. It's slow. It's a cool fucking song, and that yeah. acoustic guitar is so strong sounding. It's a perfect pair. Nate's voice blends so well. He's soft and delicate, but then he can also be like kind of a little bit gritty. And the banjo and the accordion. Tyler. Yeah, that that was pretty cool. Come I on. did like that part. Come I on. did like that part. And the bass and the drum part and the chorus is so badass. Like they're kind of just doing like this joint fill thing that's a nice addition without being like Travis Barker too much style. <laughs> Dope song. I did like I did like how it started slow with the acoustic guitar and everything, but once the full band came in, I just I kind of lost interest on this song. I mean, I still like I'm I'm only saying this in the context of the record because I still think the song is really good. But yeah, just once that full band hits, I don't know. I just it's just not as good to me. I prefer a more stripped down approach. Even if you throw the banjo and the accordion in there, it could have been like a much cooler song had they not thrown in the the bass and the drums, especially the drums, because the drums are really bombastic and loud in this song. But I, otherwise, it, it's a good song. It's definitely far from a stinker. But I just I, I, I think it's I think it's cool that. I don't know the three fourths thing. I think is 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 a rad touch from a very cookie cutter band. True. Did you pick up on that, or did you read about that? No, I've picked up on that damn near okay. instantaneously because I was trying to play the drums to it. Oh, <laughs> I was like, "What the fuck is this? I don't understand this." And then I had to like revert back to like the tapping on my on my knee, like one, two, three, four. I was like, "Wait, one, two, three, one, two. Holy shit! Look at these fucking guys." <laughs> They're doing something kind of interesting, yeah. But like you always get like the six eight thing. That's you know, yeah, it's a little yeah, bit yeah. faster. You're getting those little I could think I would assume like I guess eighth notes in there, like the one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, four. This one's like yeah, be one, the eighth two, notes, yeah. three, one, two, three. It's very slow. But then adding like the guitar, because it's not it's not like the drums are doing it and then the guitar is backing off the drums. It's the guitar comes in first, and so he's playing that riff based off of the three-fourths waltz. I think it's really mm-hmm. cool. I like it. Damn, now I, I, I want to hear it because I didn't, I didn't pick up on it, but now I really want to hear it. Check it, check it, check it out. Tell all me right. what's it all about. Um, here we go. A little bit of um, a mess to be made from the format. Don't know. Oh. 
There you go. A mess to be made from the format. I I I can hear what you're what you're what it is now. So sure. good. So good. It's very. I mean, maybe because it's the banjo, it just sounds so farm sound farmhouse sounding. That makes sense. Like I don't know. Probably the banjo. I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah, it's the banjo. It's the banjo. It's the banjo. It makes banjo. it sound hickish, I guess. Yeah, it's the banjo. Yeah, it's the banjo. <sighs> but uh, what do you got lyrically on this one? Uh, uh, did you delete your notes? But that's fine. I did in red, but now everything's red almost, so it's hard oh, to find. Okay, okay. It's well, just, then, uh, oh, oh no, go ahead. Sorry. You got it. You no, got no, it no, no. I was gonna try to fill in the space. First. I was gonna try to fill in the space, but you found it. So what do you got? If you want to talk first, you can talk first. If you want to be talk no, first, talk first. No, just not. Please don't do that. I, I don't have a lot. I don't have. A, should that go on the no-no list? The the Poe thing. I think I already put it on the no-no list. Did you? I'm pretty sure I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I did. We'll, we'll double check that after the pod, but I'm pretty sure I did. Uh, songs about how this couple are like are volatile and at times and, and a neat time apart, but then they just miss each other when they're apart. That's what I Okay. Got. Yeah. That, what I got, yeah. Tumultuous relationship with his girlfriend. They fight a ton, but when, when after he like, they get in a fight and he kicks her out or she kicks him out, they like instantly regret it and miss each other and want each other back. So it just... This constant back and forth that is not good for a relationship, honestly. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of what I got for this one too. I don't think it's much more than that lyrically. Is that all you got on this one? Sit. That's it. All right. So what Sit is? Um, I don't have any. No, I do have one more B. Yeah, I got my six B. My six B, and that's it. It's a uh, sore thumb. So I think you you tried to criticize me earlier on this one, but I'm not sure. But I uh, did. this, is, <laughs> okay, yeah, you I did. knew I knew you were gonna like this song. <laughs> it's a good song. What, what are you talking shit for? I I just thought it'd be higher, but I knew you liked the song. I mean, of course, it's more upbeat. It's heavier, right? Okay. Um, I I do like how it it picks up almost instantly from the last song, which is you know. On your porch, which is the most depressing song on the record. You need that transition, though. You have it's to have it. No, yeah. much needed. But I got a lot. I got. I, <laughs> I got. <laughs> I got a lot of Jimmy World on this one as well. Until, until you hit the bridge, which is purely Radiohead. Mm. Like that bridge is maybe fifteen or twenty seconds. But goddamn, could you not have ripped off? Not I don't say ripped off because they did not rip them off. But could you have not used Radiohead as an influence more than this bridge in this song? Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's a good it's a good B side from Clarity. That's what this song is. That's really what it is. It's a great song. Sore thumb. There's there's a lot of good stuff here. My favorite my favorite vocal part on the entire album is on this song. It's in the bridge. Mm-hmm. And I even I even timestamped it. It's it's the at the two minute mark. It's during the bridge when he says, "re," uh, and it reads like a letter with the words. The way he says it, dude, it's so goddamn good. Oh, I don't know if I remember that. Part exactly. It's kind of like that. Like that's the way he delivers it, and it's so good. And it's my favorite part, like on the entire album. Really? Yeah. Just that that tiny part. But you hate the song. What does it sit on your beats? It's a ten B. Oh my god! It's the hard. I mean, for sure, it's the hardest song on the album. I, I, I love how he stretches. Please just leave, mm-hmm. and that mid-verse guitar riff is boss. 
It's loud and it's kind of opposite of what Nate's doing. It's a really, really good song. Yeah, it is. There's some, I mean, really not just in the verses, but throughout really the entire song, there's some really good guitar leads and they're, they stand out because they are a little bit crunchier. I think it's really only because they're a little bit crunchy. It's not that they're louder in the mix. It's just they're using like a different tone that you don't hear on the rest of the record. So that that's kind of what makes, to me at least, that's what makes this song stand out. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Should we play a bit of it? I mean, we're, I, we're almost done with all these songs. Yeah, really. you play. If you want to play, play. If you want to play, don't play. Uh, okay. Well, no, no list. But okay, here's, uh, here's Sore Thumb from the format. Once again, they u- they utilize that that acoustic guitar so well just to to have a bass to the song, and I don't I don't commend bands for doing that very often, but damn, they do it well Dude, on this entire record. It's because they're just there's no effects. Like fuck, man, yeah. bands all the time will run run it through some type of effect because they're yeah. afraid to just let it let it hang. And having an acoustic guitar out there is it's it's tough. It's not an easy feat to it's accomplish a, because yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of noise that comes with playing an acoustic guitar. You get like the, the buzz, you get a lot of the like the the string kind of screeching as your fingers go up and down. There's a lot of stuff to it that doesn't sound good unless it's a strictly acoustic guitar song. Yeah, yeah. So it's you know, it's it's nice. It really I it really is. And do you not pick up on the Jimmy Eat World stuff in this song? Like this could easily been a, have been a B side. So like I mean we didn't even like go into the fact that Jimmy World Clarity came out before this, years before this. Yeah. Both Arizona. Jim Atkins likes the format. He was there at the format reunion. He played, he played that first single with him. He has said before that he likes the format. One hundred percent I am a believer that this album would not exist had it not been for Clarity. It would, oh, we would not. We wouldn't even be talking about this had it not been for clarity. So yes, this entire album owes its 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 weight and salt to clarity and Jimmy World. Yeah, and this is one of the, the I, to me is like the glaringly obvious, you know, throwback to Jimmy World or throwback to clarity, I should say. But um, but yeah, no, that like we just like I just said that that live version of that first song that. Uh, Jim Atkins sang with with them in twenty at the very beginning of twenty twenty, right before all the COVID stuff happened. 
that was really that was really cool because it wasn't just Jim doing the backup vocals like he actually sang parts by himself, which is super cool. That show was super dope because nobody knew that they were going to do it. Yeah, it was it was it was it was supposed to be for a a live video of the live at the Mayan. And they were and and the guy, Nate or not Nate, Sam Mm -hmm. owns that spot. And he's like a clothing company and like a little record label and the apparel and all this other stuff. And he's like, yeah, we're, we're presenting like um, a, a video to the Live at the Mayan. Like everybody's heard Live at the Mayan. Yeah. And so everyone's like, okay, this will be cool. Like I'll go watch it. That's fine. And they had a big old curtain up. And like nobody fucking knew. Like nobody had any goddamn idea what was going to happen. They dropped the curtain and there's Sam and there's Nate fucking ready to throw down format songs. And it just... <laughs> Like just fucking mind blowing. Honestly, mind blowing. Yeah, it's pretty fucking cool. And then they and they posted all these shows over at the Van Buren out here and they sold out within seconds. Not even like within one second. There was like four That's dates. Insane. They also every single one of them sold out. And the tickets were like sixty bucks each. And the Van Buren is not a small venue. Maybe like the same size as like the new House of Blues. Very big okay. venue. But yeah. it sold out within like one second. All dates. That's insane. Like for a band that never had any recognition. Dude, Arizona loves It's just format. crazy how much they blew up after after this after they broke up, really, after fun. It's insane. I mean, it makes sense cuz the album's fantastic, but it's still nuts. And if you watch like the crowd to that video, to that that performance that they did a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. like there's a lot of video to that. And if you watch if you watch the crowd's reaction to when they're playing songs from like the dogs era. Yeah. And then if you watch the crowd's reaction to when they're playing like the interventions of Lullaby's era. I'm sure it's a huge difference. It's night and day. And so then it just it like, why did dogs get so popular? And it wasn't popular. Like nobody fucking liked that album except for the critics. Critics yeah. loved it because it was boring because it was, it was vanilla. <laughs> but the fans, do the fans clamor over this shit. The fans clamor over Interventions and Lullabies. Maybe similar to like Pinkerton when it came out. Like the diehards love Pinkerton, but the critics shit on it. Yeah. Maybe that's something like that. Maybe just the format haven't had that. That retrospective, oh, upon further inspection, Interventions and Lullabies is actually really good. Yeah, maybe. But it's been too long since then, but. Who knows? Who knows? And every every format show I've ever been to, like I mean, it's just, every, it's it's packed. It's damn near sold out. I mean, I've probably seen the format close to like twenty times, and That's every so single crazy. time it was, it was sold out or really really close to being sold out. Yeah, that makes sense though. I mean, at chain reaction. It's, I think we looked it up recently. It was like two. It's two hundred fifty people. I seen them at chain. I seen them at the Glass House. I seen them at House of Blues. They, did they ever headline House of Blues back in the day? They so there was like a lot of tours that they did with like Straight Light Run. There was a lot of those oh, AP okay. tours that they did. Yeah, so it was like it was a combo kind Dude, of. Dude, the format played with like thrice. There was like dates that they played I can, with thrice. I, can be- I believe that, considering you know, thrice is a at the time they were one of the biggest things in Orange County. I, I would think that's also very weird, but then thrice also toured with like Dashboard too. So that's yeah. Know, who knows? <laughs> But uh, but the thing with Thrice was that you know the, yeah their first two three records were there was a lot of like metal metalcore and just like heavier stuff, but then right after a show they would go play play a whole acoustic set with just Dustin or just Dustin and Tepe, 
So it's like they 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 were they were able to kind of transcend that that bridge or you know make that bridge between the two genres. So that's why they were. I feel like that's why they were able to tour with so many different bands over the years because they could accommodate to different fans. To everybody. What else do we have? We have anything else in this song? What do we, sore thumb. Did we talk about the lyrics yet? Oh no, but it's not it's, in red. No, oh, we, I, we, have, we haven't talked about the lyrics, but. It's I've one line in the lyrics. I, I thought it was about ending a relationship. That's it. Yeah, ending a relationship. And neither of them really want to be the one to end it. So they just kind of are holding on for no real reason. Just that they don't want to be alone. Wait, were That's you at the think. format show with Hello Goodbye? No, I've never seen Hello Goodbye. Oh. I don't think so. No, I haven't seen them. There was a show I saw. It was Hello Goodbye, Limbeck, and Format. And Hello Goodbye their speakers like fucked up. Like I was like mm-hmm. the guitar player, the bass player. It had to been the guitar player because like stopped playing. And so like halfway through their set, they just, they, they called it quits. And so we got half a show for hello goodbye. And then everyone ended up just coming on earlier and it was really nice. No, I don't, I don't think I was there. No, I don't, I don't, I don't recall. I don't recall that happening. It was that chain. And it was, it was like a, it was like a big deal. Cause I mean, for whatever reason, people liked hello goodbye a lot. <laughs> And they everybody huge, was, yeah. I don't know why, everybody was really bummed that they couldn't play anymore. And I was like, oh, fuck yeah, let's bring on Limbeck, let's bring on Foreman, let's get out of here at a decent hour. I'm down. How, how were Hello Goodbye opening up for those two bands? I mean, I don't like Hello Goodbye, like, damn near at all. They have, like, yeah, one song. They maybe, have two songs I like. But, like, I just don't, I don't like them. And, I don't know, they were, like, energetic. I don't know. Dude, I'm... Limbic and format, like come on, that's like that's like asking who's who, like how was the band that opened up for fucking Bouncing Souls and and No Effects? Like I don't fucking know. <laughs> I don't know. They you 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 can't fill those shoes. So I I remember how Limbic did. I remember how the but format were Lim, did. But Limbic, but were Limbic and uh, and the format bigger than Hello Goodbye at the time? Yeah, for sure. Format really? absolutely. And Limbic. I mean, I guess sure they were too. if they opened up for him, but and that wasn't the weird. first time I seen Hello Goodbye open up for Limbic either. That's weird. And Limbeck never got, I feel like they never got the recognition that they kind of deserved. I, I mean, I think that, that genre, that kind of like country, alt, indie rock genre, just nobody cared. Nobody wanted it. Nobody asked for it. Well, yeah, there was no big like pop hit to come from that genre. Nobody so needed I it. Sense. I mean, the only person that kind of really popularized it is kind of like Taylor Swift. She's like the only person that really took that genre and, and ran with it. And even her stuff, I mean, I don't know why she's so popular, but <laughs> nah. I mean, some of her stuff is really, really good. No, for sure. Yeah. But it's not that good. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. She, she's not Taylor overrated. Swift good. Wait, what? She's not Taylor Swift good. Wait, who's not Taylor Swift good? Wait, Taylor what? Swift. Oh, so you can cheese the fuck out of me right there. Ta- Taylor Swift is, is so popular that she's like on the level of Taylor Swift and it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> You're so dumb. Dumb. All right, so that's all we have lyrically, musically on that one. Do we want to talk? There's only two songs left. Do we want to talk about those? No, I'm good. I don't even know okay. what the songs they are. Wait, 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 and give it up. Oh, dude, wait, I would give, we gotta talk about wait, 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 okay, wait, wait. Let's wait, do wait. that because this is the one. This is the one that like there's no fucking rhyme or reason to it. We're just waiting for the don't don'ts. If you don't don't, why would you say so? Right? Jimmy World did it better. But that was, I mean, you know. I know, it's not the same thing. Yeah. But it still reminded me of it. Don't, don't tell me what's going on. 
Yeah, this is this is one where the chorus does not rhyme. There's like nothing in the chorus that fucking rhymes. Mm-hmm. But the emphasis is put on the first words, the don't don'ts. And it's don't don't and then don't 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 don't. There's like four, five, six, seven don'ts in the chorus. <laughs> so we don't need the rhymes because now our focus is is being put on the beginning of the words and I'm sure all the all the all the poets poets out there are like, oh, that's a fucking common stanza denomination something. I don't know what the fuck it's called, but I'm sure there's a word for it to avert your attention to the beginning rather than the end. <laughs> and I think that's genius. I think so too. I think it worked really well in the song. It's not a B for me, but That's stupid. That's dumb. That is a dumb thing you Where, just what said. What does it sit B wise for you? It's Seven? a six B. It's a six oh, B. Okay. That's fine. That's fair. This is this is still part. Like I said, the first like. I mean, even though "Tie the Rope" is a nine B for me, I think the first seven songs on this record are untouchable. All the way up to up up until "On Your Porch," are just absolutely untouchable. Mm-hmm. They're I, all I mean, tied for the biggest B as, as equally perfect. So, man, there's some real fucking bangers on this album. That's it. That's all I got. Okay. All right then, uh, let's uh, let's wrap it up. Give our final thoughts, and then we will rate the record uh, with our world famous three point rating system. Where three is a perfect album, two is a good album. You're going to continue to listen to one is a bad album, but you should still give it a shot. And zero is the worst thing you've ever heard in your whole life. So, what do you have for uh, or yeah? What are your final thoughts and your rating on this one? Go. Uh, final thoughts are, I had I had just as much enjoyment this week as I have the past thousand times i listened to this album and i i did see one song in a different light and i did i did really really enjoy that i um i this is like a go-to this is this is like a safe a, a grilled cheese sandwich of of music for me it really is and and i still know how to play on your porch and the guitar i still know like the strumming i still know the notes so it's just like it's a safe space it's a safe space that i listen to even still like quite often, probably once a month, if mm-hmm. if nothing else, and once every couple months, along with like Limbeck. Just because not only is this a really, really good album, and it was a part of like me kind of growing up, but like I've seen this fucking band so many goddamn times live that it's uh it's fun. And I did I did try to get tickets for the show at the Van Buren, but um mm-hmm. I was I was I didn't care that much because there's a lot of COVID stuff going on and uh, the uncertainty of what they were going to require going in. It was just like, I don't know if I want to risk anything because they're probably going to cancel it anyway. And they did cancel most of the shows and reschedule. And I hate having money tied up in shows like that yeah. and having them rescheduled a year later. Like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do a year later. Like, yeah, I know. I don't like that either. So I didn't, I didn't buy tickets to them and I really don't care. To be honest, like I've seen this band so many times that I don't. If I never see them again, that's that's fine. I've had a lot of good times with them, and uh, I I hold the format and Limbic kind of in the same in the same level. Different bands, different sound, but I've seen them together a lot, and a lot of really cool things that shows have come from like them playing together. Like my the first time I ever crowd surfed, the first time and only time I ever stage dive was with Limbic opening format, and like that's. I'll that's never, you know, it's rad. just it's just cool. Like it's it's fun at the glass house to boot. So it's just I don't know. These are these are memories that will be with me forever, and I enjoy them. It's a good album. So, oh, 2. it's 2. just a good album. 
Shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's a fucking, come on, it's a perfect album. It's a three <laughs> out of three. Are you kidding? Joking my ass right now? It's a fucking three. <laughs> Jesus That's what I fucking, fucking thought. I, I knew Jesus you Jesus H. Christ. Christ. <sighs> wow. Wow, wow, wow. Silly boy talk. Not All right. Three. Come on. There's no other indie pop record that sounds, there's no other indie record that sounds like this. Straight up. None. <laughs> None. Yeah, there's there's not a lot. There's not a lot. None. Or any. Yeah, really any. There's none. And there's none. All right, so my, my final thoughts real quick. Uh, I, I don't have... I have nostalgia for this record, but it's different for me because I got into it a little bit later after they had already kind of split. And and I so I don't... I never saw them live, unfortunately, back you know when they were playing all those small gigs. Um, and I don't know. I, I think this is just a, a perfect mashup of just pop melodies with simple indie rock and they just they absolutely killed it they captured something that they've never done since at least that i've heard or really any band has done to be honest um i I think musically like from a technical standpoint i don't think there's a lot there but it, it doesn't fucking matter because the melodies are there the the songwriting is there and not very many bands can can say that can do that uh it's just a shame that you know it was such a, a huge drop off from this to dogs, to dog problems, I should say, not dogs eating dogs, but dog problems. Um, but you know, this is this is a really good record. I love going back to it. I, it's just, it's just fun. It's just a really really fun record. And with that, I'm gonna have to give this a two point eight five. It's not perfect. It's not perfect. It's really not. But it's damn fucking close. So 2.85 out of 3 for me on this Oof. format record. Okay. It's pretty good. That's pretty fair, right? I mean, for for a guy, for a goy. Jesus Christ. Don't Tom DeLong. For a goy. <laughs> for a guy who's not really into this kind of stuff, I feel like that's fair. It, it, it's hard to not like the format. It really is. Yeah. And I that's know. why I just don't. I don't, don't, I don't understand that all these critics don't like this album. I really just don't understand it. Yeah, it doesn't make much sense at all. I think it's just, they're, they're fucking, this was something they couldn't handle at the time. They're, they're looking idiots. for something else. And I feel like because there hasn't been like a true resurgence of this record, there's n- it's never going to get its fair shake from this Dude, Next year. Next year, the 20th anniversary, baby. Ooh, a, pre- a repressing? Possibly. I know because yeah, they're fucking hundreds of dollars right now, dude. The fun record, the first fucking fun record, is like five hundred dollars. Oh, that's fucking dumb. That's uh, so dumb. It's more than than the dogs eating dogs that we want. So dumb. Jesus Christ. All right. Well, do you have anything else? No, that's it for me. That's it. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Give us five stars on both of those apps, please, please, please. Uh, for those of you who still listen to Spotify, right? Um, <laughs> Also, social media as at, uh, is at Asinine Radio. Once again, thank you all for listening. And uh, that's it. That's all. Thank you. <laughs>